0: Hi, guys, you're listening to Talking About Tracy Chapman, the Tracy Chapman Fan Podcast. Today, we are talking the 30th anniversary of Crossroads with Matthew Hochter. Matt is a writer, a music reviewer, journalist, and recently wrote a piece on Crossroads for albumism. Hi, Matt, how are you doing today?
1: Good, thanks. How are you?
0: Yeah, very well. Excited to, to get this episode in before the, the end of the year. So, thanks for okay. joining us. It was a pleasure reading your article. It'll be great to hear what drove you to, to sort of write that piece.
1: Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me, firstly. Um, I think there, there's really two parts to this question, and I was thinking about this the other day when a friend uh, was talking about Tracy Chapman with me. The first part is the obvious celebration of, of 30 years of, of an integral part of the music landscape, I think, that that is Crossroads now. Uh, especially via a platform like albumism, you know, being given that opportunity is, is wonderful. And the second part is definitely the impact that the album had on me as a teenager. I think when it was released, I was about 13 or 14 at the time. And it, it, there'd been a few things leading up to that album's release that had really changed the way that I view the world yeah, as a young yeah. teenager. And then that album, along with Fast Car, uh, along with uh, Tracy's debut album that included Fast Car, but it was really that album. I think in you know the time that it was released in '89, that, that really started to to change my view on the world and open my eyes up to things that I probably hadn't seen before and needed to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's similar for me. Um, I came a lot later. To, to the album. I didn't find Tracy's music until the late 90s, but I completely appreciate what you're saying there. She really has, in my eyes, and educated me to, to a number of different things, which I wasn't exposed to until listening. You noted in your article that there is an emotional depth and um, you likened the quality to the likes of Carly Simon, Joni Mitchell and Carole King. Those three sort of launched in the 70s and the 60s had that sort of folky revolution in the musical landscape at large. Um, What do you think made Tracy Chapman resonate in the late 80s when actually the music had moved on, the music industry had had become glossy, MTV, synth-pop. So what reminded us that we needed this type of music in our lives? Yeah,
1: another really interesting question. And definitely something that I've, I've often thought about myself, you know, what was the change? I mean, obviously, there were, there were so many monumental things happening in the late 80s. So it might be just right place, right time situation for her. You had the Berlin Wall coming down, I think, in 89, 90. Yeah. Uh, Nelson Mandela was being freed, as, you know, I'm sure we'll discuss later on, with, especially with this album. There's a, an incredibly strong connection there. But I think there was a yearning maybe for authentic artistry that, and something that really hadn't been seen for a few years. I mean, we we had, you know, pre... I, I don't want to discredit anyone, you know, pre-Tracy Chapman, but, you know, the 80s were... I lived through the 80s. I, I was a, a young kid. It was my sort of coming-of-age era. It was a there was anarchy definitely you being british would would definitely know about that you know <laughs> from that era but, you know what i mean the cure and things like that but yeah but i think there was something different with not i think i know there was something different with tracy chapman and it was just i think a natural progression more than anything do i think she wanted to change the top 40 ecosystem especially given like you said you know, the glorification of wealth and greed that was that was really, that epitomised the 80s. No, I don't think so at all. I, I think that she almost produced this album away from that, that yeah. situation, that whole environment, almost kind of like in isolation, maybe even in defiance of it. So I think that, I, I don't even know that at the time there was a, a genre for her or an archetype. To yeah. classify really what she was, you know, and so that kind of when you don't have that, those restrictions placed on you, you have a little bit of, and you're breaking kind of ground, maybe, or, or re entering ground that was broken before you, but in a different way. Because going back to those three singers that we mentioned, who I love and adore, yeah, Tracy's music. Is there's more of a, a social and political feel to it, especially the first two albums. Well, I think all of her music, but the other three women, they did definitely have those things, but it was probably more focused on a feminist aspect. Yeah. Maybe the, the breakdown that was happening in the 70s that was so needed and is still needed. But I think Tracy, she, she kind of fell into this really unusual area that people weren't able to categorize her, and maybe that worked for her.
0: Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I was um, reading an article in the New York Times on the archive yesterday, and Mm -hmm. it was discussing this album and how, in a lot of ways, she hadn't broken new new ground, or she hadn't brought anything new musically to the table. But when you consider that um, her approach to music, like you say, she she's almost in isolation. If you look at the credits, she was performing and had written these songs far before they had come out. Mm-hmm. These are stories and these are, these are thoughts that she's been sitting with and living with for, for a long time. So mm-hmm. I feel like she, does, she disregards the, the status quo. She disregards the need to give you something current. It, it's about the, the songwriting and, and the message mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways. But interestingly, The ones that were new, the songs that had come out in the last year since the debut album were freedom now and born to fight Mm -hmm. and you you reference in your article again that these were topical and timely because they have their place in the political landscape in the late 80s but they're also timeless because of their simplicity, do you think we've lost this type of messaging in modern modern music?
1: Ah uh, <laughs> i am I'm, I'm going to be forty four in two weeks, and uh i I state that because I lived a little now. you know what I mean I, I've passed through a few decades of of seeing change and and being an avid music lover and listener and appreciate it. I think things are definitely different now, the introduction of the internet and and social media. Definitely gives a completely different way of of how we deliver things and maybe even the message that we're trying to say or trying to to deliver. But um, you know, shortly after Tracy Chapman, there was a whole slew of singers that were critical singer songwriters. So you've got uh, people like Annie DeFranco, uh Fiona Apple, Liz Fair, even Melissa Etheridge. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it was. A long time after Tracy Chapman, what are we? I'm probably thinking like mid to late 90s, early 2000s. Forgive me for my time frames here, but it wasn't until we had another, you know, another black woman with an acoustic guitar singing about topical issues, which was Lauryn Hill. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then since then, I, I don't know where really. Who I can think of that in in modern music. I mean, we've got Lizzo now. You've got, uh, but again, different different messages. The same kind of thing with the with the racial inequality and and that we're still talking about that. You know, but I, I don't know that the message is lost. Um, I think it's different, Stefan. To be really honest with you, I think it's different, and it maybe is del- maybe it comes across differently because of the way that we deliver it via social media.
0: Yeah, I think everyone has a voice um, and there are people out there who obviously are doing this, have these messages and and are are flying the flag for for things like climate change and things for, say, um, racial and, and social injustice and inequality. But I think that in the mainstream, which is what sets this apart, we don't really have it as in your face and as, as poignantly placed in music and although Crossroads was a smaller success in the UK it was a number one it was multi-platinum so there was still this strong desire and, and need for this type of music and I think there still is today I think Tracy's been gone music scene for 11 years now going on 12 and I think more than ever, almost, um, we, we kind of, we need that influence again. But only time will tell um, if, she, <laughs> if she decides to come back. I,
1: you know, that's interesting that you say, sorry to, to uh, oh. cut in there, but you, you said we need her more than ever, and I agree with that. I, I think there is a certain level of maturity that someone like her brings to the table with these topics. She's lived She's seen she's seen what's happened in the world, you know, before <laughs> the middle and now. So I, I definitely think there's there's a not only a space but a need for more of her music, something a bit deeper. To be really honest with you, and I think you know, going back to one of the questions that you asked before, why was she successful in the in the eighties? I think why is anyone successful ultimately? You know, people say time and place and all that jazz. But at the same time there's a need for it. That that's what that's why people become successful, because people want what they have to say. They're listening to those words.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine what she has to say about some of the issues going on in in, mm-hmm. in her in her home country of the US. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned as well in the album that Tracy was a co-producer on this album. Mm-hmm. That was the first outing under that title. Do you think you can hear that impact on the record?
1: Yeah, well, it's, that's another interesting point. Um, I was thinking about this the other day when, when you approached me to have a chat with you about this album. And I was looking at things and I noticed that David Kirshenbaum, who was the producer, the main producer on her debut album, was also, also had a production impact on this album as well on, on Crossroads. Yes. I, I think at the end of the day, it's the artist singing the song and she's written uh, all of her own music. So can I say the production side of things? I, I mean, I only really ever see Tracy Chapman in, in everything that, that she does. So I, I don't know. I mean, you referenced before the, the song's written you know well before the albums were released and I I often think to myself you know what is the production value on there and uh, in terms of like is is it her vision now maybe it was always her vision but just not credited for that
0: yeah Yeah, I've I've read a a few articles in that um, the debut album almost didn't happen because she was very unhappy with the direction that the original producer mm-hmm. wanted to go in. So David um, Kirschenbaum um, came in and they had a, a very good relationship and fit. Mm-hmm. So, so I think you're right there. Um, she's not the sort of person who will give up or risk her, her values for the sake of politics or, or even business. I think she she will have always had that impact.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, this ties in again with something else that we've just spoken about before, you know, being in isolation. I don't, I don't really. I, I've never met Tracy personally. Um, I've loved her music and and loved her her words for you know such a long period of time though, and I, I can't imagine that she would have been someone that would have succumbed, like you said, to someone dictating to her because she didn't fit into any of that narrative that was going on at the time or really has gone on since, you know. So I imagine that although she wasn't credited on the first album, you know, as a producer, I'm pretty sure she has a a strong voice. I'd almost bet my life on it that her voice is very strong when it comes to production and where things are going to sit and what's going on the album and what's not, you know.
0: If you had to choose, I guess, one track from Crossroads, which was was your highlight, which one would you choose?
1: Hmm. Uh, I'm going to be really cliched, and I'm sorry, but I love Freedom Now. Yeah. It's it's incredible. It's... um, it's a song that has, you know, was attached to Nelson Mandela, and I even believe—I I, don't quote me on this—but I believe that after, you know, just three months after the release of her debut, she was one of the headline acts for the Free Nelson Mandela Now tour. I think that went globally. So yeah. in that song, I think, for anyone that that lived through that period. That was opposed to the, the horrific injustices that, you know, South African people had had place uh, upon them for such a long period of time. You, you can't help but, but fall in love with that song and, and the, um, the message that it sends is so poignant and strong even today.
0: Yeah, I feel like you say she performed at the benefit for release of, of Nelson Mandela. And, and mm-hmm. then she went on to tour with Amnesty International along, mm-hmm. alongside people like Bruce Springsteen, Peter Gabriel. I think you too were involved. There was, mm-hmm. so it, was yeah, yeah. it was basically a lot of white guys, really, really famous white guys. Yes. So the fact that you have this African-American songwriter two years into a career alongside mm-hmm. Established legends like themselves is, is just it was crazy at the time, and, and that 's mm-hmm. the impact she had in such a small space of time. but I think all of those people um, have cultural sensibilities about them they have they have something to say they have a, a meaning in their work, and I think that 's why she was fast tracked to that status really mm-hmm. on the flip side i 'd say that as well as the political the personal for me got deeper in this album. Bridges is an all-time favourite song of mine, not just mm-hmm. from this album but of her entire discography. I think the production's richer and deeper, but ultimately it's that that depth of emotion and, and feeling which really draws me to the song. Mm-hmm. And she expresses experiences that are familiar but deeply personal. And it she has a strange way of being able to encapsulate exactly how you're feeling even though maybe as a as a young person or or even a, a teenager, I couldn't really express or, or work out what I was trying to say myself. So I think mm-hmm. for me, that's that was partially. It was twofold. It was yes, I'm learning about the world. I'm learning about politics and all of these issues which are going on, and having a really kind and and objective perspective on it. But also, I'm she's sharing this this worldly experience in relationships as well, which mm-hmm. is crazy polarizing, but um, deeply, deeply um, valuable for, for anyone who is trying to make their way in the world. Mm. And I think that is the power of the album for me.
1: Totally. I, the uh, Sub City as well is, is a really interesting song.
0: Yes, I think that um, is probably most similar to, to the debut album in a lot of ways, due to the storyline, narrative, first person. and. Um, talking about it's almost this album's version of Fast Car in a way
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah I guess that's why I have a really strong attachment to Fast Car I just love that song So yeah, it's funny you said that I definitely see subsidy in, in Fast Car
0: Whilst we're on the album I guess it's interesting to note that the wider social impact Tupac Shakur, the rapper was a huge fan of this album He sampled the title track crossroads on ghetto gospel which tracy doesn't allow sampling she doesn't agree with it so ultimately elton john went on to record the sample for that i think or it was it was taken uh, but there is there is an example of that the original demo out there on youtube if anyone wants to hear it and the wider landscape it had a, a, a bigger impact
1: you know, sometimes I often think, you know, people have said uh, about Crossroads, you know, oh, it's kind of like the best of the rest, you know, things that didn't make it onto the debut. I, I don't agree with that whatsoever. I, I almost think Crossroads is like a, a really nice continuation of yeah. her debut. I think it, it kind of is almost like a part two. You know, I think it's really beautiful.
0: It's been great to have um, your. Insight here, so thanks for thanks for joining me, Matt. Where can we, if listeners want to find more about your writing or read a little more, where can they find you online?
1: Yeah, definitely, you can go to either albumism at www.albumism.com or my own blog, which is www.musicandme.theblog.blogspot.com.
0: But it was an absolute pleasure. Well, have a great weekend.
1: You too.